Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Can you get Jamie? Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try this again. You're listening to The Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it, but I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. Episode one, if you have ADHD, then I'm sure you can understand. I had the hardest time coming up with what episode number one would be like because it needs to be wonderful. It needs to be magical. It needs to be engaging. But there's so much stuff on ADHD. So where do you start? Do you really start at the beginning? Or do you start on topics that are most interesting? Or do you really let the listeners figure out what this show is all about and who it's really for? Is it for nurses? Is it for neurodivergent people? Is it just for people who want to hear about a nurse's life? That seems kind of boring, right? Well, I don't know. There's a million different things I would love to cover in this episode, but I'm just going to start with what I know best, ADHD in women. I wasn't diagnosed until I was 36 years old. Say what? And if you want to get technical about it, it was only about mm, three months ago that I went through and I was formally diagnosed. And several months before that, I started doing the research because a friend so gently pointed out to me that she thought it was likely that I suffered from ADHD. The show isn't just for women. It's not just for nurses. It's not just for people with ADHD either. I mean, it would probably benefit you most if you do have ADHD, but you may be a partner, a spouse, a friend who you want to learn a little bit more, or even a manager. We're going to do an episode about work and ADHD and what managers can do to help their employees be amazing workers for them. Okay, I'm getting distracted now. But realistically, this is going to be a show that if you are in nursing school and you have ADHD and you wonder how you're going to be able to be in the world as a nurse, there's going to be stories to help. There's going to be tips. If you're already a nurse, then chances are you're probably going to laugh at a lot of these stories because you're going to feel like it really matches you and you're going to feel like someone thinks the same thing you do in the exact same situations. And if you are a man, We're going to cover ADHD more than just women, but this episode is going to be about women. So that's right. If you are a woman, if you identify as a woman, or you have a daughter who's going through the same thing, then this episode is going to make you feel not so alone, not so crazy, which we should all hate that word, but you know, it is what a lot of us call ourselves. First of all, let's start with the fact that ADHD is missed in girls or women because it looks so different than what we've always known ADHD to be. Because, I mean, there are some people that they think that women can't have ADHD at all. Isn't that crazy? There's that word again. 
They think that if you're smart or you did well in school that you can't possibly have ADHD. So I was a pretty smart student, I like to think. I made a lot of A's, B's, rarely, but occasionally a C. In college, I was on the dean's list and I graduated with honors the first time around. Nursing school, totally a different story, which we will talk about that on a different episode, how ADHD definitely plays a part in the way that nursing school is organized and how you get your grades. So I didn't look like those things that I just described, but turns out I had ADHD. When we think of it, we think of that chatty little boy who can't sit still, who fidgets all the time. It just looks different in women. First off, the woman with ADHD has a constant state of overwhelm trying to manage the details of everyday life. This is like feeling disorganized mentally, emotionally, physically, which is going to leave you feeling and seeing yourself as lazy, crazy, ditzy, even stupid. There would be times at work as a nurse, I would do things that were just so dumb and it didn't have anything to do with patience but it would just be something that was just so ignorant and I would I would say to myself and I would laugh in my head yet these people trust me to hold the lives of individuals in my hand yet I can't remember the phone number or how to page a doctor that I've already done 10 times this shift. Or I'll give you one more example that I did literally the last day that I worked. At our job, we use things called vocera. If you're calling from a landline, you dial star 33, and then you say, call 10042 nurse. So I said the room number and the nurse that I needed to talk to associated with that room number. Well, I was doing a rapid response follow-up that we always do to check in on the patient. So instead of dialing star 33, which I do majority of the day, that's always what I hit first. I dialed star 55, not thinking about it, and if you don't work where I work, that's the emergency operator hotline. Like, that is literally what you dial to call a code and tell them where the code is. So I dial star five five and all of a sudden I get emergency operator. What is your emergency? I squealed and hung up on her. Yep. But I'm really good with making sure people stay alive. I'm really good at bringing people back from the brink of death. Okay. A next trait of a woman with ADHD. She's likely to zone out even in the middle of an important conversation. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what all I need to say about that because, yeah, I mean, sometimes it does hurt people's feelings when you have to ask them to repeat something that they just told you. And I really don't want to do that, but I can't prevent my mind from bouncing around in the middle of a conversation. Okay, the next one, someone has described this as trying to manage their thoughts like playing whack-a-mole. I get it. And that is a great descriptor. For me, managing my thoughts, have you ever seen one of those pre-COVID where there would be like a bunch of money in a machine that you stepped in and they would turn on the fan and the money is just flying all around you and you're trying to grab a dollar or a five dollar or you grab as many as you can in a certain amount of time. For me, that's how I always felt trying to manage my thoughts. Sometimes it may feel Like she doesn't have control over where her thoughts go or when they go. 
And the daydreaming, it sounds lovely. And sometimes it really is. But there are other times that her mind's going to be playing how bad it would be if she, a nurse, missed something very important, very specific. My background is in neuro. I work rapid response now, but neuro ICU is what I did for almost a decade. But how bad would it be if I didn't notice that the grips were just slightly different and the patient was actually having a stroke? Maybe they were herniating. How bad would it be if I really missed something so small and then the patient died from it and I had to tell the family that their loved one was dead and I knew that it was all because of me. These are things that we feel those emotions are real time even though it didn't happen. Next, this wind machine of money. This makes it really difficult for the ADHD woman to function. It's like trying to hold down a conversation with someone, but other people are constantly interrupting, except the other person doesn't know that the conversation has been interrupted, so they keep talking. The next one, she either forgets important things or worries that she's forgetting them. The worry she feels is like a vague anxiety without an apparent cause. Just the uncomfortable feeling that something has fallen through the cracks every single day. I think that this is common with nurses in general, not just ADHD nurses, but I literally have nightmares. I go home, I go to sleep, and I dream that I forgot to chart something, that I forgot to give a med, that I forgot to whatever. And oftentimes on my ride home, especially when I worked bedside in the ICU, I would go through the entire 12, 13, 14 hours that I was at work over and over and over in my head, worrying that I forgot to do something for the patient, that I forgot to tell the oncoming nurse something about the patient. And I can't tell you the countless number of times that I've called someone on the way home the oncoming nurse, I would call and say, hey, Emily, so I forgot to tell you that at two o'clock, I actually turned the patient to the left. This is also true for appointments, birthdays, anything else that you may have going on, even work. I obsessively worry that I forgot a shift at work. I have three different ways in which I check my work schedule. It would probably be a whole lot easier if I just checked API, but nope, I check my written planner. I check my planner that I keep on my phone for just me that's really easy to put the dates in. And then I also check the planner between me and my husband. Oh, nope, I lied. And I have a fourth way. I take a physical picture of the calendar on our wall at work that I check as well. The next one, somehow somewhere. She is really messy. She may look presentable with a matching outfit or cool scrubs at work, and her desk at work may be reasonably organized. Maybe. But I'm willing to bet you that she's not going to invite you to her house. Why is that? Because it is a disaster. A lot of my coworkers think that I am a relatively organized individual. Thank goodness they don't have to look at my car. All right, this one I feel like is more of my superpower than a problem. The normal person would absolutely say that this is a problem. The ADHD woman procrastinates like a lot. 
She waits until the last minute to start important work because she has to rely on the time pressure to get the boring tasks done. We will cover this in another episode. We're going to cover so much stuff in future episodes. But time is not linear for us. So she will end up in a frenzy. She'll spend hours doing it the night before. And she also makes it look, with effort, like she spent weeks doing this. If you're not familiar with the way that nursing programs and schools are, it is possible for someone to get an associate's degree in nursing and become a registered nurse. They take the same national boards, which is called NCLEX, as anyone else in the country. So I graduated with an associate's degree in nursing as my second degree. I took the NCLEX exam, which is the same exam, the exact same one that nurses who graduate from Harvard have to take as well. Same test, to decide whether you get your license to be a registered nurse. Once you get your associate's degree, you can go back to school through what's called a bridge program. It's normally about one year that you take online courses, mostly, depending on what program you use, but normally it's online, and you get your bachelor's degree in nursing. The associate's degree and bachelor's degree have a huge difference, and that is the amount of papers that you have to write. The bridge program, it is rarely test, and it is primarily lots and lots and lots and lots of papers. You typically have at least one every week per class that you're taking during that semester. Well, your girl here, the neurodivergent nurse, the one with ADHD, I would have an entire week to do research, to read the chapters associated with this paper, and to actually sit down and put it all together. And in your bachelor's program, you're often learning things that you didn't learn in your associate's degree. So we're not covering things like an ischemic stroke versus a hemorrhagic stroke and write up on that, because I could do that with my eyes closed in about 10 minutes. I can can crank out a massive paper on that. No, you cover things like the theory of nurses. You cover the things like the progression of policies and procedures. I even had an entire class that was about the Affordable Care Act. These are not things that nurses have in their knowledge bank. It's just not. But I would start probably about 6 p.m., the night that it was due, when it's due at midnight, to write both of these papers, do the research on both of the papers. And did I even read the chapters associated with it? Oh, no. (laughs) I would just flip through, pick out a couple pieces that sounds good, tie it in together, and bam, A's on my papers. So to me, it's like a superpower. But it's because if I don't have that deadline, I really struggle with getting started. And to keep up the momentum to do it. I have always felt like I have to sit down and do it all in one sitting or else it's just, it's not going to get done. My brain can't start something, absorb the information, understand the information, and then to be able to articulate it into a project or a paper. If I stop in the middle of it for a day or even a night, whenever I go to sleep, I feel like when I wake up, All of that creativity and knowledge is so lost. And when I sit down to do it again, to continue writing the paper, I almost have to relearn it all and to find that momentum again. It's it's really painful in a sense. Next is a superpower for 
everyone with ADHD. She can hyper-focus on things that she's really interested in. Now, I've never been able to pay attention to lectures, but I can spend hours researching COVID-19 or how to perfect your golf swing. This next one's kind of sad, but women are often really good at masking their ADHD symptoms. So women with undiagnosed ADHD, they often judge their difficulties as personal flaws. To avoid feeling the shame, women are often really good at hiding their ADHD challenges from other people. And one of the reasons that we do this is because oftentimes there's a strong sense of perfectionism, or at least that's what we want to project to other people. The idea that someone doesn't see us as perfect, it is emotionally scarring, to be honest, which also rolls back to the reasons why we're not going to invite people over. We're not going to allow drop-ins because our house is so messy and we don't want people to see us as lazy. When you have a family member who asks what you did all day, how do you tell them that you could not find the ability to get off of the couch to do something productive because your mind was so heavy with what had just happened your last three shifts that you couldn't find the energy to get up. They'll think you're lazy, right? Or unmotivated when that's just not the case at all. And through this journey that we're gonna take together, we're gonna discover what really is the case why these things are happening, along with tips and tricks to make it better. Okay, the next one. When she can't keep her attention in a conversation, she does mental gymnastics to make up for it. Ah, did you ever have a patient's family that they were telling you a story or something really important, and it's not on the navigation of when they're first admitted, when you're down, you're asking the questions and all of that, but they're telling you a story while you're titrating the Levo and you're titrating the Propofol, and oh, I think that we may need to give a bolus, but you want them to feel heard, but at the same time, you're zoning out and doing these tasks that need to be done, and you're thinking, okay, so I titrated the Levo up. How much of an increase did their pressure just change? Is that arterial line really picking up? Is that bag still inflated? Do I need to zero and calibrate it while the patient's family member is telling you about when they were a child and the patient loved riding a scooter? And you learn to do the gymnastics, you pick up on the scooter and say, oh, really? That's so cute. I have a nephew who loved to play on the scooter too. Did it have a color? I don't know. But you play these mental gymnastics so that you can continue a conversation and you make the people feel like they are being heard, even if it's not really that important to you and is so easy not just in the world of nursing, to get distracted when somebody is having a conversation with you and that you you use these skills to be able to pick up on a word or two to ask questions more so that you can actually find out what they said the first time. ADH women will also cover their symptoms in ways that look like OCD. When I was a travel nurse, I traveled in a camper. The camper had propane, gas, stovetops. And in the past... I have accidentally left stovetops on for large amounts of time. I don't typically cook before I go to work, but one night I did. Typically, 
I'll check to make sure that I turn the stovetop off, but I'm not really paying attention to the stovetop at all. So then I realized I wasn't paying attention. So I have to go back and check it again to make sure that I really did turn it off. But this night I cooked and then I needed to find my keys because I always lost my keys on travel assignments. And then I needed to find my badge because where the heck would I put a badge? So I needed to do all of that stuff. Made sure the pups had food and water, kissed them goodbye, went to work. It's about an hour or two into my shift and I realized my mind was wandering the whole time. And I looked at the microwave instead of the stove and that's all I could really remember was looking at the microwave and I couldn't remember if I actually turned the stovetop off. That memory was completely gone from my mind. So I actually had to clock out, take lunch very early in the middle of the night to drive as fast as I could to get back to my camper to find that I really did turn the stovetop off. So you get the point of how it often looks a lot like OCD. The next, I touched on this a little bit before. ADHD women are often people pleasers, they're perfectionist and creative problem solvers who find ways to skirt by. Because of this, we stress hard to make life work so that we can avoid feeling like a failure. And have I mentioned that people with ADHD tend to experience criticism way more painfully than your average person? Because of that, it leads to the next attribute. Exhaustion, constant anxiety, being overwhelmed, she feels it all the time. It's like walking in stilettos with your arms overfilled with very fragile and valuable objects that are on the brink of falling. At any moment, you're about to lose something important. Now, keep in mind that there are consequences of ADHD in women and girls who remain undiagnosed, and it can be severe. Teenage girls with undiagnosed ADHD are more likely to get pregnant, to do drugs, and to smoke cigarettes. She's also four to five times more likely to self-harm or have a suicide attempt than other girls. As she gets older, she tends to have fewer friendships and often ends up in unhealthy relationships. She's more likely to be underemployed. She's also more likely to experience the major mental health disorders. I'm only a nurse, as I said earlier, and this is from the information that I have personally comprised from the research that I've done and my personal experiences. So the right diagnosis, though, it really can be challenging to get because there's a lot of doctors that they're still not familiar enough with ADHD. They don't recognize it often in women, and there's often a lot of concern about prescribing stimulants. I was fortunate that I found a place in my town called the Carolina Attention Specialist. Very well done. There was a long questionnaire. You also had to ask a close family member or friend to answer questions about you who have known you for a long amount of time. And there was also a physical test that you had to sit down, something on your head. They monitored how much you moved. They also monitored how quick your responses were to things. And then you spent an hour speaking to a licensed psychiatrist who puts it all together to determine if you do have ADHD and what other things that you have to go along with it and the best treatment for you. 
Be sure to join the Facebook group, The Neurodivergent Nurse. And remember, it's right in its inception. So let's make this a safe space where we can talk all things ADHD. For additional resources, I will be adding information as we go to my webpage, www.hopeforhumankindness.com forward slash The Neurodivergent Nurse. Also, you can find me on Instagram as well at The Neurodivergent Nurse. Thank you for listening this long and let's end on a joke. Two ADHDers were sitting at a table of a local diner. Their conversation drifted from politics to cooking. I got a cookbook once, said the first guy, but I could never do anything with it. Too much fancy work in it, eh? Asked the second guy. You said it. Every one of the recipes began the same way. Take a clean dish, dot, dot, dot.